Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Greg Dutcher, joining me. Greg, what's going on, man? Yuletide greetings, dude, although I don't know what Yuletide means. <laughs> it is that time of the year yes. again. The yes. holidays are upon us, and we are headed into our uh, special Christmas editions yeah. and so excited about the two guests that we have on today to talk to us about Christmas and this time of the year. Um, so why don't we go ahead and um, just throw a quick shout out um, to our sponsor and why don't we go ahead and make our listeners our sponsor this time. I like it. Um, so, you know, as uh, many of you know, we've, uh, you know, on and off through the past several months have been uh, promoting the podcast, promoting that you can donate to it on our Podbean website. Um, so just want to thank all of, you, all of you out there who have been able to contribute and donate. And, um, you know, for those of you who can't, obviously, we appreciate uh, your listenership. Maybe what you could do for us is instead of donating money, just head over to iTunes and uh, shoot us a quick review. Always good. Yep, helps get us out there and get us um, higher up on the charts so that uh, more people can find us. So without further ado, um, Greg, why don't you go ahead and make this first introduction? Love to, man. Uh, I, I've got kind of a groupie. Um, it's a little awkward, Nathan. Um, there's a young lady that seems quite enamored with me, um, and that would be my dear wife, Lisa Dutcher, who's looking at me like... <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about Elise. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Elise is about time to say, I am out of here, man. <laughs> How did I get swept into this dysfunction junction? Um, no, uh, yeah, my wife, Lisa Dutcher. It's funny because I, I kind of gave away our other guest, uh, at least yes. the first oh, name. I did, sorry. No, no, no. I, I would have too, Lisa. But uh, yeah, my wonderful wife, Lisa Dutcher, who has not been on, as you pointed out, Nathan. For over a year, yeah. When she and Tracy Had Smith such were such a good time, yeah. It took over a year to get her back. It was on. a little traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The good thing, Nathan, is Lisa has been asking every day because she loves public attention right. and to be on the podcast. I do. I really do. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah. This is my lovely wife, Lisa. Who uh, all, uh, the kids are at school the day of this recording. Everybody is settled, and you could get over here to our fancy studio, right, at least for an hour. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's exciting. Nice. We had some caramel iced coffees, and yeah. Lisa and I had a little pre-meeting to go over this mm-hmm. outline before the big show. So she's ex- – and uh, normally, I'm sorry, Nathan, Lisa. Are you more confused I after am. the pre-meeting? Yeah. <laughs> I really am, Nathan. I really am. Yeah, that, that was a mistake <laughs> to do that, man. For sure. No, so excited to have you back on. And um, Lisa, okay. it has been over a year. So um, anything anything new going on since we last talked to you? Or um, Well, there's a lot of stuff going on with the church. As yeah. you know, our church is getting ready to transition to a new facility. So yes. that's exciting. Um, you mean we have transitioned <clears throat> to a new facility? Because this, right. is, this is now December. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we might be recording slightly and, earlier. And the transition went wonderfully. And yeah. there were no switches. <laughs> Um, our kids are all doing well. Our daughter's in her senior year at Bel Air High School. So we're in the throes of, she's taking her SATs again and getting ready for college. It's, it's an exciting year and stressful one. It's yours. Very nice. You didn't add the only thing different, Nathan, I would think is since the year she's been on, our kids now cost us more money. A lot of money. (laughs) Than they've ever, I will say, I never thought kids cost money when they were under 10 and then they get past 10, don't they, Lise? And. It's a whole different ballgame. Wow. wow. 
That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and true. It's I true. can show you our account. <laughs> what a great time to talk about Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Yeah. Oh, and then um, our guest, Elise Fitzpatrick. Elise, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks. So nice to have you back on again, Elise, and um, so thankful that you were able to uh, to join us. Um, I know you are so busy, but we always love having you on. Um, and yes, so much. Um, you know, we love having you on to encourage our our female listeners that are on, but also our male listeners as well. We've gotten several, um, you know, I guess Facebook messages yeah. and tweets and things like that from our male listeners saying. Thank you so much for having Elise on. It's really given me uh, a new perspective to to love my wife better than I have before, and to show that grace yes. um, that that I've been lacking. So, thank you so much for for your words and encouragement. Thank you. I'm really glad to have the opportunity, and I'm also glad to know I'm such a legend in my own mind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and ours too, Elise. I was going to oh, add to that oh, as how um, wonderful. Yeah, very much. Uh, two guys, since you were on a few months back, that I uh, am in pretty regular communication with, I just want to say, are loving, as am I, home. I know we're not going to devote the time to talk about home, but uh, uh, her newest book on heaven, mm-hmm. uh, which is just fantastic, at least. I know it's a labor of love for the body, for the church, um, and just love the way you develop that theme, that metaphor, really heaven is our home, which I, I don't think is intuitive. And uh, the thing I appreciate about your book is it 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 just kind of puts it in our face. It really is our home. And we're used to saying, oh, after vacation, after some travel, it's so good to be home that ultimately that's everything we've ever longed for. Uh, I, my summary of the book is far, far worse than Elisa's book itself. <laughs> so if you could – Well, thank you. It's so good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's um... – I guess that I would say that it was something that was um, that really pushed me to do thinking that I had not done before, mm-hmm. uh, to do research and and reading that I hadn't done before, and um, and personally in my own life, it's been very helpful. Mm. I can tell, mm-hmm. can tell. Um, so, Elise, we have you on today, and we want to get to talking about. Um, some particulars of Christmas, particularly being um, a woman, a mother, uh, a wife at Christmas time, and some of the things that um, can get trapped up into that unique combination um, during this time of the year. But first, you actually have a couple books for Christmas time that we want to give you an opportunity to talk about, mm-hmm. um, make great uh, Christmas gifts. For um, some people out there. Um, And so the first one is Counting the Days, which is kind of a compilation book, correct? Well, it's a book that I wrote along with my daughter, Jessica Thompson, with whom I had also written Give Them Grace. Mm -hmm. Um, So Jessica and I wanted to do a book together to sort of do uh, Advent devotionals. And then also Jessica's friend, Jamie Nato, who is the craft queen, She, uh, yeah. which we are not. Uh, yeah. she, <laughs> my daughter loves to tell the story how when she was um, homeschooling her kids 
finally, after a year or two, they had an intervention and told her she must never do crafts again. Yeah, yeah, so we're not not very crafty, but uh, Jamie Nato is, so... Uh, the book actually is a compilation of Jamie's wonderful craft ideas and Jessica and I writing devotions for parents and children for the Advent season. Very nice. So is this a um, 25 uh, kind of day um, like Advent calendar or 24 uh, type book where there's a devotion a day and a craft a day or something like that? Uh, yes, partly. There is, uh, we did write a devotion a day. What we wanted to do uh, was something actually that we had never done uh, in my family or even that I had never done with my kids, but was to explore the thought of an uh, Advent uh, calendar, mm. uh, excuse me, um, candle. And so once a week we have... Um, we have on Sundays the lighting of a candle, and that candle, a candle is lit, is lit uh, once a Sunday up until we get to um, at the actual Advent at Christmas. And then we have devotions that are written for every day, very short little devotions uh, with a with a verse to be read, and then a short devotion that. Uh, parents and older kids get, can share together, and then another devotion there on the same day for littler kids. Hmm. So you know, basic, and then the craft is once a week. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I, like I know why now, Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, what we wanted to do was to say, all right, you know, a lot of times parents are looking for something that they can do with their kids that will get them through, you know, the last 25 days before Advent, before Christmas. Uh-huh. And so we wanted to develop that. And we really did it off of the church Advent calendar. So, um, you know, it's not completely unique from us, although we did write the, we did write the devotionals very purposefully, uh, trying to keep Christ at the center of, what, of the chaos. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And that is uh, Counting the Days. And then the second one was um, Found in Him, which is a book about the Incarnation, correct? True. And that that book, actually, sometimes people ask me, all right, so you've written X number of books. Uh, what's your favorite? And um, Found in Him would be it. Wow. Not that, you know, not that, not that I don't love my other books. You know, they're all like my babies. Uh, <laughs> home. Home comes in a very, very close second, mm. um, but Found in Him is really a book that started out to be a book about our union with Christ, and then anybody who's written it all knows that, you know, a book will take on its own life and then direct you as to where it's going, and so this book that started out to be about my union, uh, the believer's union with Christ ended up being primarily about Christ's union with me, and particularly in the Incarnation. And, you know, yes, that's a, that's a Christmas book in the sense that that's what we're celebrating um, uh, at the Advent, is Christ's Incarnation. But then it's also, it's, it's again, one of those places where 
Golly, I didn't, you know, I've been a Christian for 45 years, and I didn't feel like I knew a lot about the Incarnation. And, I mean, you know, what does it mean for the God-man to um, be both man and God? Is he sort of man on the outside and God on the inside, Uh like an Oreo cookie? Or, you know, know, what what is it that... um, that I need to learn about the Incarnation. And so the Incarnate, that book for me was a complete game changer. Hmm. And, you know, the the deal is there's been so many heresies down through church history about uh, the Incarnation that I think we're very reticent to even talk about it much. Mm-hmm. So when I say to families, you know, um, Jesus was a child, just like those little kids that you're taking care of right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a four-year-old and undoubtedly had a little two-year-old sister or brother mm-hmm. who bit him on the leg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. yeah, and how he responded to that has everything to do with your justification right now. Mm. Wow. People go, well, wait, what? Yes. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, it's really taking that passage from Hebrews 4 that says that he was tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. Mm. And then to, to flesh that out in a full life, human life lived, um, for over 30 years in, in Israel, in poverty, um, and, and, and in suffering. And to take that and to say, you know, why, why did he have to, why did he have to live that life? Why didn't he just come and die in our place? Mm. You know, he could have done that, but he didn't. He lived an entire life of uh, obeying yes. the law to love neighbor, love God, love neighbor perfectly as a teenager because I need someone else's righteousness for my teenage years. Mm, yes. Love Boy, please. Love that. Yes. I I have to say, um, at least last night, <clears throat> knowing that we were going to talk about these books, haven't read them myself yet, so they are uh, kind of on the uh, on the queue and on the wish list. Um, but I uh, was reading some blogs and some people talking about your books, and uh, this was uh, one uh, lady's quote, uh, your quote that she liked very, very much. And well, it's it's hard to read without getting a little emotional. This is from uh, your book, uh, Found in Him. By the way, the subtitle, The Joy of the Incarnation and Our Union with Christ. Uh, <clears throat> so much there to, to think upon. But you write, Oh, how different this groom is. So many men look for a woman who is already beautiful, one who will enhance their resume and make other men think that they have value. Jesus did just the opposite. He went and found the most vile creature, He could, uh, and set about beautifying her by taking her vileness upon himself and fully identifying with her, thereby remaking her into his image. Yes, eventually this does accrue to his glory, but it's not how most men look to advance themselves. Hmm. So, um, (laughs) wow, I think there's a little (laughs) silence as we we take that in. But just for our readers uh, and listeners, and and many of whom are, are passionate readers, um, I look forward to reading this and uh, deepening my own appreciation and knowledge of what Christ has done for us. Um, at least we've talked, I don't know if we've talked about this with you before, 
This has come up, Nathan. Forgive me if this is a redundant Christmas theme. Mm -hmm. But we've often found when we talk about these themes, at least, I think you're right. There is, I think you said, uh, a reticence. And and there's this almost awkward uncomfortableness people have sometimes thinking deeply about the implications of the resurrection. I think the most obvious sign of that is in the, um, oh, uh, what is the, the hymn, The Little Lord Jesus no crying, he makes a little town about um, yeah. uh, away in a manger. Away in a manger. Away in a manger. Which, of course, you know, I always chuckle, and I, I've joked about that with our church a lot. And I thought, so when Jesus was hungry, when he had a dirty diaper, uh, he didn't cry. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it, do you think that is some of of what you're talking about? We have this almost uncomfortable, uh, or, you know, reluctance to really consider these things. Yeah, I think that. You know, well, two thoughts, just briefly. Um, this book found in him is like my least popular book, hmm. which is yeah. interesting to me. Uh, and I think it's primarily because it's not about us and what we should be doing. Uh-huh. It's about Jesus and what he's done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there there is that sort of, you know, I don't know if I want to really read about Jesus. So, yeah. I mean, I'll read about Jesus if it's if it ends up being primarily about me right. and then <laughs> yeah. and, and how to make my life better and yeah. easier. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And then secondarily, you know, there's this thought that, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to be blasphemous. And again, that's because we haven't really been taught to think very deeply about Christ's humanity. It's almost as though if we say Jesus had a dirty diaper, yeah. we are, um, we're we're denigrating. Uh-huh. We're denigrating him. Whereas, uh, actually, just the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. That the second person of the Trinity, who always dwelt in ineffable light, perfect communion, perfection with his Father, that that person would then condescend and submit himself to to life fully as a human. Yes. And I think you know we're we're sort of afraid to. We're afraid to go there as if, you know, if I say, well, you know, Jesus was tired. And, you know, it's interesting because the writers in the New Testament, I think particularly, you know, when you think of the um, the temptation in the wilderness, you know, it's very obvious what they're trying to do right there. They mm. talk about him being hungry. Yes. They talk about how he had um, spent 40 days as the second Israel, of course, 40 right. days in the wilderness, um, and he was with the wild animals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they're very specific about these things. They're very specific also when they talk about how he was after the resurrection, mm-hmm. that uh, he ate fish. He said to his disciples, touch me, yeah. mm-hmm. touch my body, see. And, you know, the whole point of all of that is that we embrace, I mean, really embrace the incarnation and the reality that he remains the incarnate God. Yes. You know, he didn't, he didn't shed his skin like a chameleon or a snake or something. When he went to heaven, he remains the incarnate God uh, in heaven, taking flesh, as Garrett Scott Dawson says, taking flesh into the throne room of God where it had never been before. Mm. And he will live he will live forever as the incarnate God, hmm. and and will be the only one bearing scars there. 
So, you know, when, Mm. and, and so where does this play out? Well, it plays out in the life of the woman. Uh, and I'll just uh, talk to women, or, you know, guys can pick this up too, but it plays out in the life of the woman who uh, is facing this Christmas season alone again mm-hmm. and wondering, so, I mean, does does God really get it? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, here I am, and it's Christmas, and I've got my, you know, perhaps she's a single head of household, and I've got my little daughter, sons, whatever, and you know what does what does Christianity have to do with that? And to that, I reply: Jesus was the single head of a household. He knows exactly what you're going mm-hmm. through, mm-hmm. right? Excellent. Because his because his dad died. Mm-hmm. His his earthly father Joseph died at some point after his twelfth birthday, before his thirtieth birthday. Mm-hmm. His father died, and Jesus functioned as the single head of a household. Uh, caring for his mother and his siblings. And, you know, that's also obvious because he turns his mother over to his beloved disciple, John, at his his crucifixion. So, you know, someone who's listening, who's who's the single head of a household and saying, well, you know, Jesus sort of had this cool life, and yeah, he died for my sins, but he doesn't really get what it's like to be at a holiday and, and not and and be the single head of the household, to which you reply, "Oh no, he he gets it." Yes. See, and that's that's the great news about the incarnation. Yeah. And it's so sad that we don't think about it. But the great news about the incarnation is he lived those thirty three years, you know, more or less those thirty three years, perfectly fulfilling the law in our place, but also facing every single temptation to unbelief that we face today. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yes. Uh, Elise, by the way, you're making me want to re-preach my entire Christmas series. Uh, (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Seriously. um, There's so much to explore. Elise, when you were talking about how the incarnation relates to our union with Christ, would and I haven't read the book yet either, which I'm eager to do so now. But I'm wondering, is it primarily because of through the incarnation we're ultimately justified? Or is it that we can relate to Christ as a man or both? Well, yes, it's it's both. And, you know, see, our union with Christ, what our union with Christ means in essence is, of course, our justification, which is... When he died there under God's condemning wrath for sin, um, we were in union with him, and all of our sin was punished that day, mm-hmm. that dark day between noon and three, um, was punished in him, in his physical body. Mm-hmm. So it is that, but then it's also our justification that we have not only just as if he, we had never sinned, but also just as if we had always obeyed. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that's that double imputation where Christ's perfect record of always having loved his neighbor mm. and his father perfectly, even even to the point when he's on the cross mm-hmm. and the father, in essence, pours out his wrath on him and turns away from him. Mm. And 
to that point where for the first time in his humanity, he doesn't call God Father, he calls him God. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he says, why have you forsaken me? Okay, so (laughs) that perfect record of of faith, Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. loving your neighbor, and having the faith to love your neighbor, that has been transferred to us and could never have been transferred to us apart from his taking upon himself everything that it meant to be human. Mm. So he had to stand as the second Adam. You know, Adam in the garden was our representative, and he failed. And this Adam, this Adam, the second Adam, Israel's treasured son, he always succeeded so that we are now justified. Yes. So, you know, I, 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 again, it's, it's really coming to an understanding. And I'll be honest with you, um, I, I'm not there yet. I'm trying to get there, mm-hmm. uh, of, of Christ's humanity. And then let me push this forward into something I talked about in, um, in the book Home, where let's say we're all, you know, it's, it's the new earth now. And we have our bodies. We've been rebodied, mm. and we're all sitting around having a discussion about the incarnation, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which which we may very well do. Yes, and uh, and up walks the Lord. <laughs> that physical, up walks the Lord, and we say something like, "Oh, Lord, we we were just talking about you," <laughs> yes. and he says, uh, "And he says, I've brought lunch. Let's have a picnic." Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Like that. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. That is so good. Yeah, I think, you know, I I, I don't know where we go from here. I think yeah. we're just done. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, I mean, um, at least it's... That's it's, me, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just yeah. this beautifully posed theology. Yeah. You know, it's... It's just amazing. I feel like I just want to sit back and it's so unusual to hear a woman talk about theology. (laughs) It really is. And to do it so eloquently with wisdom and it's just got backbone to it. That's what I like about it. At least normally, Lisa, uh, really, she was hoping that you would say um, that uh, women at Christmas, instead of thinking of all this incarnation stuff, should just wake up early. Right, Lise? Really early. Really early. (laughs) (laughs) 4:45 a.m. <laughs> and pray for her so her so that the day is set and right. then grind some wheat. <laughs> <laughs> At least I would just like you to know don't be I don't remember any wheat grinding in the last several Christmases at our home. But no, I am. No, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to say, I have to say, um, as you're talking about these things, at least, one, love the thought, how does the incarnation, I, d- parents, you know, we've got two teenagers, and, and just your thought that, yeah, sometimes I'm amazed. We have a 17-year-old and a 13-year-old that there was Jesus at 17, a perfectly righteous, obedient Loved his father with every fiber of his heart, soul, mind, and strength uh, for my daughter, who's 17, and our 13-year-old boy, Ben. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it just incredible that there was a 13-year-old Jesus who, on his behalf, you're right, didn't just die but also lived. And the verse that always grabs me uh, 
on this is John eight twenty nine, uh, when Jesus says, and he who sent me is with me, has not left me alone. And then the, to me, it's atomic and it just is, uh, speaks so clearly of the things you've laid out today. Uh, when Jesus said, for I always do the things mm-hmm. that are pleasing to him. You know, and I mean, any other human being, I ask people sometime, could you say this about yourself for five minutes of any day of your life? Um, right. But he, that was every moment of every day, fully pleasing his father, and then to give that to us. So, uh, yeah, that your book's risen up on the queue, hasn't it, Lisa? Mm-hmm, uh, for sure. I'm eager to uh, to prep our hearts and uh, transition you know a what? little, Nathan, to Christmas. But yeah. but first, you you were uh, you were saying, Elise. You know what's really interesting to me is Jesus was perfectly holy. Uh, yes, absolutely, and he always loved his neighbor and he always loved his father. But people didn't think he was weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, like, if one of us, you know, set out in our own mind thinking, okay, what would my life look like today if I loved God? Well, first of all, you know, we're not going to do it, but, you know, (laughs) get close to it, make an approximation of it. Then people would think, oh, those people are so strange. You know, uh, Jesus, there was nothing remarkable about him. Uh I think that probably when people were around him, they thought, He's a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, he's just he's just sort of nice to be around. Yeah. But they wouldn't, I you know, they, I don't think it would have entered anyone any of their minds. Maybe his mother. Yeah. Um, that he that he never sinned. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. never done wait, anything wrong. Yeah. So Gosh, true. it's it's been. Um, <laughs> Well, four or five? No, uh, ten? No, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, when did when did he sin? And then what's really mind blowing? And you know, I uh, teenagers teenagers can be both the best of times and the worst of times. Um, <laughs> Amen. Uh, three of three of my well, actually now four of my grandchildren are teenagers, mm. and they're and they're lovely, delightful people and yet you know teenagers but what they need to be told all the time is that jesus perfect record as a teenager that he always did what was pleasing to his father if they believe that's their record right now Mm. wow yes so sweetie you're struggling right now and i know it's really hard for you to love your brother or do your homework or whatever it is but i i just want you to know that you're loved and that you have Christ's perfect record, yes. you know, <laughs> that's yes. sort of mind blowing. Tell that to your tell that mm-hmm. to your kids. You know, yeah. we're terrified to say that to to our kids because we think that what that will do in them is make them sort of you know run wild. We're yeah. actually just the opposite. Yes, know? yes, mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. Isn't it? Yeah. It's the it's the, the human nature, you know, because yeah. we talk about this all the time um, on yeah. this podcast, at least, like. You know, people say – we've actually had some people say sometimes, yeah. my only thing is if you preach grace too much, <laughs> which I was like, wait a minute. Is there a too much uh, grace? You know, I know God's grace is eternal and lavish and overabundant, but you know, let's spoon it out <laughs> because if we dole it out in full tidal wave biblical measure, what? Right. You know, It's almost like the implication is we've got to get some law in there. Right. And we got to get some some rules in there, right. so that, when you're right, and the whole time is that's that's the problem. Oh boy, I'm I'm starting to preach, and I know we're going to talk a little Christmas stuff too we as are. well. But. Actually, Elise, um, before we do that, I, I want to touch on a little bit about what you said with people's views and conception of Christ, because sometimes 
when I look at um, other people in the way they view family sometimes, do you think that there was um, thoughts going on that actually Christ was sinning from other people's minds in their view of legalism and things like that? Mm. Because I just think about, you know, families who will judge other families for things that they do or don't do or the way they will or won't ways won't raise their children and they think, Oh, that's wrong. You let your child watch such and such a show. Um, or you let your child do such and such. And these things aren't necessarily wrong, but in the, in the eyes of people on looking, it can be viewed as sinful or wrong. Do you think there was a lot of that that possibly Mm -hmm. went on? Well, I think that, you know, again, because they didn't see him as being the God-man, the sinless God-man, then I'm quite sure that stuff that he did would have seemed to them to be outside of, you know, what what a good Jewish boy Mm. ought to do. I mean, think about Think about Mary and Joseph's response to him when he's in the temple <laughs> at age 12. Yep. Yeah. Now, you know, we get we get confused and we think, well, what that means is he's there teaching. He wasn't there teaching, he was learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's there asking questions. But, but when you see Mary and Joseph's response to him for being there, and, and she says to him, why have you treated us this way? You know, we've been searching for three days for you. I'm pretty sure she wasn't, you know, she was pretty unhappy with him Mm. and probably thought that he was failing to honor her as or his father. Um, He was failing to to obey the commandment to honor his father and mother. And, you know, and yet here he is saying, well, you know, I have to be, I have to be about my, this is my father's house. I have to be about my father's business. You know, it's interesting to me. My guess is that when you were, if you could ever have been around him, you would have thought, boy, that dude loves to party. And he's really, he's really, really loose. But on the other hand, I can't think of any, of anything he's ever done that I would say is actual sin. Now, of course, once you get into his adulthood and his ministry, uh, you know, you've got the religious leaders calling him, saying that he has a demon. Yeah, yeah, Um, sure. And and because, and, and calling him a blasphemer. So he would definitely have broken all the molds of what we might think the good, if you will, Christian household might look like. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. We, uh, we've talked about that before. Remember Lisa, the, our, one of our kids, I think when we were young asked us, was Jesus ever spanked? And of course your instinct is to say, well, of course not because he never sinned, but his parents were right. sinners. Right. You know, so, oh. Right. How many times, Lisa and I always say, have we punished a child because we were wrong? Right. We didn't mm-hmm. investigate clearly, and she we were perceived the situation wrong. Wrongly, you know, mm-hmm. we were frustrated. Both of you were in trouble, and you know, you you do this. So I I never because your instinct, of course, he was never disciplined. Um, but uh, I I think we could say right theologically say he never needed discipline, but right. that doesn't right. mean that he wasn't. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, when you've got Mary and Joseph searching frantically for him in Jerusalem at the Passover, which would 
you know, we can relate that to New York City Mm -hmm. at at New Year's and then finally finding him. And, you know, the way that they question him, which is basically, what are you doing here? Don't you, didn't you know? And I mean, I could imagine that coming along with a, you know, with a slap or, Mm -hmm. you know, some sort of thunk. And you know, what's really interesting right there. Jesus says something that, you know, maybe we misinterpret. He says, he says, oh, uh, didn't you know I should be about my father's business in my father's house? Mm -hmm. And we take that sort of to mean like, oh, he's, he's sort of dissing them. He's Mm. disrespecting them. Like, what's wrong with you? But on the other hand, why couldn't we look at it? Because we know that Jesus is not omniscient. Uh Um, from the beginning. I mean, he had to learn how to read. He had to mm-hmm. learn uh, table manners. He had to learn all that business. Sure. So maybe this is Jesus saying, oh, oh, you didn't know? Uh-huh. Right. Oh. Yeah, more of an honest question. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, right. you know, again, don't think for a minute they didn't discipline him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, that's very good. Um, yeah, interestingly, um, at least I could picture that. Hard moment, Lisa. I've told it before in sermons. Uh, when our son Ben was two, and we were at White Marsh Mall Christmas. Oh yes. Oh boy, have you heard me say that, <laughs> yes. Nathan? And we were in the Disney store, and my ADHD rages in those places. And Lisa said to me a hundred times, "Greg, are you watching Ben?" Yes, Lise. Yes, yes, I'm watching him, Lise. Yes. <laughs> Of course, (laughs) I took my eyes off for what felt like a second. And sure enough, I had about a minute where I couldn't see him. And finally, I thought, I better tell Lisa. You know, that was awful. And that was what, Lisa? 10 minutes, 12 minutes? It felt like forever. But yes, it was only a few minutes. Crowded mall Mm -hmm. at Christmas. And then I remember he finally... um, Security officer, remember, brought him down. Him over. Oh, of course, he's you know, clue. He's a cute little kid with his little round head. He and did his, have a little round head. <laughs> <laughs> his little brown, curious George look, and he um, and I remember at least now he was only two because I so wanted to. I knew I was in hot water. Let me just say this: that was a bad weekend. That was a bad. Weekend. <laughs> that was yeah. not a good weekend. I really it's been messed a good up. podcast so far. I know. Uh, yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> but I remember being angry at my two-year-old son right. for having the audacity to get lost. Right. <laughs> right. In those you know, crowds. I, right. I, I know it's different with a 12-year-old Jesus, but I'm saying that the parental frustration of searching high and low and, of course, panic and all your yeah. awful thoughts in the dark places it can go because there are parents who have had those horrible, horrible stories, of course. Right. Uh, yeah. So. Well, um, can I ask Nathan? I know we, this is better than what yeah. we even had planned. <laughs> Far better. But uh, just wanted to get a little bit uh, because, Elise, you're, we just love your heart for family. Um, your podcast, the, 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 the you know, Front Porch. Mm-hmm. Uh, front Porch with the Fitzes. Is that what? Do I have that right? Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm embarrassed to say yes. No, not <laughs> like at all. We, like we love it. Um, talk to us about the well, Fitzpatrick. Christmas, the Fitzpatrick Christmas traditions, and just what what you love about Christmas. Love to hear well, that. Well, you know, we uh, we we do have traditions. Some of them. Uh, well, you'll think we're insane, um, <laughs> but, but we do we we do have tradition. I think the thing for me, I'll, I'll say this, and then we can talk a little bit about tradition. 
is that I think that there's been a lot of teaching about, you know, make traditions because mm, traditions will save your children, in essence. Nobody says that, uh-huh. but they say things like, well, if you've got this tradition, then when your child is 19 and wondering, you know, whether or not they're going to serve God, they'll remember the tradition, uh-huh. and be filled with nostalgia, and then they'll come to church, whatever. <laughs> um, our, <laughs> our, traditions, our traditions won't save our children. Mm. And once we realize that, and sort of let them go use them. I mean, like lighting the Advent calendar uh-huh. um, or the different things that different families do. Once you realize that they're just a joy for that moment and that perhaps God God may use them, but there's no place in the Bible where it says, you know, make sure you build good traditions so that your kids will be saved. Now, there are places that it talks about, you know, we're going to celebrate certain feasts, mm-hmm. and then when your child says to you, why do we do this, then we can talk about it. But traditions won't, you know, getting the right present, making sure that the cookies are right, all of that business, that's all wonderful, it's fun. It's 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 a blessing. It's as close, I think, in some ways to home as we can get here on this broken planet that's in shadow. Mm. Um, it's it's wonderful, but you know, it's not going to save our kids. Now, having said that, yes, we do have traditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we have one tradition where basically we rent a fifteen-passenger van huh. and go around and look at Christmas lights. Mm-hmm. Now, nice. you, you would think, um, oh, oh, isn't that precious? No, actually, what's going on in the van, <laughs> we're traveling different places, is either we're all fighting, yeah. which we've, we've done that. Um, we've had little kids throw up. Oh, had, that's you know, always fun. All, right? Oh, this is a beautiful tradition. Oh. Crying, fighting, yeah. vomiting is wonderful. Um, <laughs> and, and of course, you know, my poor husband, Phil, uh, everybody making fun of him for the way he drives. Yeah. And then, and then listening to really, really cheesy Christmas music, yes. like, you know, the redneck Christmas music. Yeah. Um, and other just, classics. You know, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. because it's funny. And then we have another thing that we do, which I think we've talked about on the podcast. We have something called, um, a, a crayfish celebration, which I won't even go into um, because it's it's really embarrassing. But I, I'll, <laughs> I'll just give you this much: there, I, I, a number of years ago, I want to say twelve years ago, Phil and I, my husband and I, were given this horrible white elephant gift, which <laughs> was this sort of bronzed um, likeness of of a of a crayfish. Okay. And so I took that and I thought, you know, I want to, this thing is so horrible. I think I'm going to make up a whole legend about it, and then we're going to celebrate it every year. So we make up a whole we've made up a whole legend about the crayfish. This, you know, see, it has nothing to do with Jesus. Um, yeah. <laughs> we make up this whole legend about the crayfish, and then every year one of the one of the families has to do the the 
what we call the crazentation, the crayfish presentation. (laughs) So, you know, we do this. It's really quite humiliating, but it's actually kind of fun, uh, only on the years when you don't have it. (laughs) So, um, you know, Christmas morning, you know, it's wonderful. Um, You know, we all eat together, and then, you know, we open presents, we talk about the Christmas story, all of that sort of business, and then then we get insane and do this whole crazentation thing, and it's kind of like, it's kind of, it's kind of like the Lord of the Rings, but the Lord of the Cray. And, and <laughs> wow. but now you That's know great. we're certifiable. I love wow. it. Elise, I just have to say here, these guys waiting. When you do that presentation, that sounds kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> somebody somebody wow. asked us yesterday, well, so you guys have done uh, done it about craisins, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, we never even thought of craisins. Oh, I love it. Bad puns at Christmas, Elise. Yeah, um, bad. Come on, Lisa. I know you, you want to ask, Elise. Remember, we were talking before you came here. Do you want to oh, ask? Oh, what about Santa? Does he visit the Fitzgeralds or no? Yeah, so Santa um, actually, well, yes. <laughs> we course. all want to know about Santa. We- <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think that there's a really wonderful place for fantasy. Hmm, yeah. And um, and I don't have any problem with myths or fantasy. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and and so in our family, you know, uh, maybe the little teeny children, although I don't have any of those anymore, but, you know, uh, maybe they thought there was something a little magical. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I got no problem with that. Mm-hmm. I don't have any problem with that any more than I have a problem with Narnia or the Lord of the Rings or mm-hmm. any sort of myth. You yeah. know, see, here's the reality. There's one good story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And and so we tell the one good story. Now the problem of course with Santa is he's merit based. Right. <laughs> yes, right. He is. That's true. Yes, That's yes. very true. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you've been good then you get good stuff and if you've been naughty, well, you know, you get a piece of coal. Yeah. Right. So which no you know, parent ever we, does. Well, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. try to tell the children is you know, somebody will always dress up like Santa, and my husband, and everybody knows this, mm-hmm. my husband's the guy who goes out, and you're, you're going to hate this, Greg, but he goes out, he has a whole set of presents he buys in the name of Santa. Oh, wow. And I don't... Uh, I don't Aww. even know what he's going to get. Yeah. It's, it's actually kind of scary. But he, yeah. you know, he has a that's certain amount great. of cash, and and he buys Santa presents for everybody, and that's like the surprise because yeah. I don't know what's there, and nobody knows what he's going to get. You know, and and he that. he sort of buys outside the box a little, and that's great. Um, but you know, here's the deal: myth and. Story and magic, if you will, good magic, those are good things. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. let's create magical moments for children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't have to we don't have to be so worried that somehow will they'll think that, you know, since Santa isn't real, then uh, maybe God's not real either. It's like seriously really? No. Do you honestly <laughs> it, I, I yeah. mean it, is that is that what you is that is that as good as your theology has been three hundred and sixty four days a year? Yeah, right. You know, yeah, right, right. So you have you have a, a day of magic. There's a there's a word. It's called eucatastrophe. Huh. 
And the U catastrophe is like a shocking great thing that happens surprisingly. Ooh. It was it was a word that Tolkien, I think, used a lot. U catastrophe. And so make Christmas a U catastrophe. Yeah. <laughs> shock yes. them with yes. something magical. Wow. Yes. That they don't expect. <laughs> and you know, I mean, kids live we all do, but I think primarily children live really with nothing but law all the time. Yeah, you know, agreed. And, and they're completely, they have no control at all, particularly little children, mm-hmm. have no control at all about what's going on in their, in their family or in their life. And so then give them a day, just, you know, wake them up in the morning and say, you know, today's the you catastrophe day. <laughs> you had all, you're supposed to go to school, but instead of going to school, uh, we're go- we're going to go up to Magic Mountain ride roller coasters. Oh mm-hmm. wow! So, yeah, you know, I mean, do that sort of stuff. Blow them away yeah. with with magic. Hmm. Um, and you understand what I mean when I'm I'm not you know talking about being a witch or something. Right, um, right, right, right. <laughs> oh, of course. But yeah. you know, I mean, what would your life be like as an adult? You know, we're all serious and whatever. What would your life be like if, you know, somebody just waltzed into your life one day and said, hey, you know what? Today, you're free of all your responsibilities. Suspend all of your unbelief. Let's just go have fun. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can say at least some of the Christmases I've given Lisa and some of my gift uh, buying, I've definitely created almost the same. I've created a catastrophe. (laughs) (laughs) And she's come close. She said, you... Catastrophe, but I think she means something else. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's not true. No, no, I, I, I'm done all right. At least I love that though. What you said, the the magical moments. Yeah, the kids, kids getting a law. Yeah. Yeah, that's so great. And uh, Elise, we want to um, thank you. We want wow. to actually, um, because this is the very first one that we are airing in our Christmas series. So we actually want to uh, give a couple of your books away yes. to our listeners. So um, we're going to go ahead and sign off with you in just a second, and then we'll come back and record the uh, the contest portion of the um, of the book uh, after we're done. So Elise, thank you so much. And Lisa, too, thank you for joining us and being a part of this. It has been so great having the both of you on here. Um, so we're going to go ahead and uh, just sign off now. And uh, Greg, we just rocked the Casbah. Jingle Bell rocked it. Ladies and gentlemen, you just finished listening to Elise Fitzpatrick talking about Christmas. So excited that we could have her on once again. Uh, We're going to get to the contest for her books in just a moment. But first, just wanted to go ahead and shout out to Mission Aware. Again, they've been sponsoring us for uh, a good while now and uh, really appreciate their partnership. Want to highlight their bistro mugs. Um, These are great, solid uh, coffee mugs here that you can get these bistro mugs. Um, you can get all different ones. Want to highlight three of them. You could get the Luther, Luther's portrait on there, the Spurgeon portrait, or uh, the one that is my personal favorite, the Post Tenenbras Looks After Darkness Light Bistro Mug. So make sure you go to Mission Aware and check them out. Uh, order a bistro mug. Christmas time is perfect time to be ordering gifts for friends, family, and loved ones. I'll let you sort out who your friends, family, and loved ones are. Uh, maybe they don't all coincide. Um, also, want to let you know that uh, these go to eleven is in a pint glass. 
our logo is on a pint glass that you can get uh, for a beer mug. We are also featured in this year's gift set along with the Mission Aware, the Reformed Pubcast, and the Happy Rant. So make sure you check that out, the, the whole entire four-pint gift set with them. Uh, now on to Elise Fitzpatrick. We have the two books, Counting the Days and the Incarnation. Counting the Days and the Incarnation. So here's how you're going to win. We're going to do three uh, winners for each. So we're going to do, actually, we're just, we're going to do six total. You will choose which one you want. So we're going to do six. We're going to do three for iTunes reviews, and we're going to do three for retweets on Twitter. So you go online, you retweet uh, the Elise Fitzpatrick podcast that you're listening to now. You'll be entered into the contest for either Counting the Days or the Incarnation. And again, uh, going on to iTunes and writing reviews, we're just going to um, see if we can get those kick-started a little bit again. So um, your choice, go ahead, make sure you get those out there, and uh, we will announce the winners next week. All right, thanks, guys, and peace out. These go to 11.